Welcome to Art Worlds with me, Dr. Cleo Roberts Comoretti. This is the podcast that tells you all about the art worlds you might have missed. We're going to journey around the globe and talk to artists, patrons and curators from Cambodia to the Democratic Republic of Congo. With this, we'll build a truly international perspective of the many thriving art worlds. Algeria, a North African country stretching along the Mediterranean coast south to the searing Sahara Desert, sits between Tunisia and Libya in the east, Nigeria, Mali and Mauritania in the south, and Morocco and Western Sahara in the west. The country, a bedrock of the Roman Empire with a history of Arab and Islamic influence, has been subject to Ottoman rule and French imperialism. Following a fierce and vicious war of independence, that lasted over seven years, between 1954 to 1962, the country declared its independence after 132 years of French occupation. The country's arts were profoundly affected and undermined by its political character, and subsequent periods of instability have followed in the post-colonial period. Artists have explored this uprooting, the denial of their identity and what it means to be Algerian, whether living in the country or abroad. Opportunities for artists in Algeria have been challenging, with scant political interest in arts and culture. But with recent young project spaces and galleries emerging, there's a sense of energy and optimism for Algeria's contemporary artists. Natasha Marie Lorenz is an academic and curator focused on North African and Middle Eastern contemporary art and film. She's written for numerous publications, including Art Review, Art Forum and Freeze. In 2019, Lawrence opened a significant group exhibition at Columbia University's Wallach Art Gallery that addressed contemporary art from Algeria and its diaspora. The exhibition has since seen iterations at La Friche La Belle de Mai in Marseille and will soon open in Grenoble. The accompanying catalogue, Waiting for Omar Gatlato, a survey of contemporary art from Algeria and its diaspora, is published by Sternberg Press. Lawrence is currently researching on Algerian socialism in the 1970s and planning an exhibition in collaboration with artist Masinissa Salmani. She joined me from Algiers to discuss this project and the process of bringing Algerian art to New York. So you're an academic and curator with a focus on North African and Middle Eastern contemporary art. Your major exhibition, Waiting for Omar Galato, a survey of contemporary art from Algeria and its diaspora at Wallach Art Gallery at Columbia University in 2020, was a hugely ambitious intergenerational show. What led you to explore Algeria and its art? So there are like three different ways to answer that question. And they're all true, but they're very different. Um, I was uh, the like most straightforward professional answer is that um, I, I, I got a, a, a doctoral degree in art history um, recently in 2020. And um, in 2015, I was starting the field work for my dissertation. Um, which was centered on five experimental films from the 1960s and 70s in Algeria. Um, So I came to Algeria to try to find some archives and talk to people about those films and get a better sense of their context. 
And I, I found myself in a, um, like an intellectual dilemma, which was that um, I am not Algerian. Um, and, and I was asking people to give me their stories and to give me their archives and to talk to me about things that, um, that their grandparents and parents had made. And I didn't have anything to offer them um, other than like eventually a dissertation in English, which nobody could read. And I, I felt really uncomfortable with that position. Um, I, I understand that it's standard for academic life um, and that fieldwork, there are a lot of different really nuanced justifications for fieldwork by people who come from the outside. Um, but I did not feel like they could attenuate the epistemological violence that I was implicated in. And, um, and yet, like I had to finish my dissertation, um, regardless of whether I published it or what I did as an academic afterwards, um, I couldn't like just give up. So, so I, I started doing studio visits as a way to create a more horizontal relationship to the place. Um, and because I have a background as an independent curator, it was pretty natural for me to slip into that role. And, um, and I found an art scene in 2015 and 2016 that was really alive and awake um, and alternative and independent and making things happen for itself um, without a whole lot of resources or support from the diaspora. That changed over the course of the, of the work that I was doing with them. But um, I just was really impressed with how they were um, making sense in the world as a scene. Um, and I felt like, um, I felt like making an exhibition that ran parallel to my dissertation, but was very, was centered on a different period and a different medium and a different set of, um, like intellectual frameworks was a way to, for myself, like work through the violence that is, inescapable in an intellectual endeavor like a dissertation. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I had long conversations with colleagues um, at Columbia where I was getting my dissertation, where I was doing my, my doctoral work about whether or not like a panoramic exhibition, even one that is that was as grounded in field work and, and individual conversations as mine was, I don't know if that, um, like I know it doesn't fully resolve the epistemological violence of field work, um, but I felt like, uh, I felt like it did give me the opportunity to create a much different relationship to this place that is more accountable, um, to people. You were just talking about this being on the ground, meeting people, your show included 25 artists who are based in Algeria and also internationally. So given that this exhibition was, well, I sort of think of it as quite a, pioneering endeavor can you tell us a bit about the research period and how you might have like uncovered this really exciting art scene that was going on like did you get led from one place to one place by lots of different people because I'm sure it wasn't just there on a plate no um I mean the advantage of PhD work is that it there's structural funding to travel <laughs> and go back over and over again. And people understand that it takes you five years. Um, and that was an incredible luxury in retrospect um, for the construction of this show and the research period that it allowed for. It was not like fly and meet everyone over two weeks. 
and then like make an artist list and make a show. Um, and it started really slowly. And I, again, it started, like I started doing studio visits without really having the show in mind, just as a way to meet people and, um, and get connected. Um, and uh, I was talking to a filmmaker, um, a contemporary filmmaker, Hassan Farhani, um, and he was like, oh, we should, you should meet these painters. And so he took me to a house party and somebody gave me the book that was, that eventually became the, the, the framing, the title for the show, um, which is, a, it's a, a film book by Wasila Tamzali, who's a, a curator and a, and an activist and a film scholar based in Algiers still. Um, and then I met those two artists and then they introduced me to a bunch of people. And then on my next trip, I met a bunch of other people. Um, and I think it was like in 2017 or 18 that, um, that I sat down to start writing the grants for the show. Um, and then, and then I was in Algiers for a long, um, research fellowship, um, by the center for Maghrebi studies in, in Algiers or in Oran, but in Algeria. And, um, and I happened to be living in an apartment on um, Boulevard Murad Didouche, which is the central artery of the downtown space, um, at the very moment that the revolution erupted, um, like underneath my window, like my apartment overlooked Place Odin, which was the, the sort of epicenter of these mass protests that took place starting in 2019. And so um, I couldn't really leave the apartment because as a foreigner, I wasn't really supposed to be seen on the street in in uh, in support of anything um they would immediately revoke my visa and i would never get another one so i was kind of stuck on the terrace for months um while i was preparing the show and people were coming and going um and and i think that really changed i think that really changed the way that that the ambition of the show is perceived um and it changed the way that i had access to and understood what was at stake for artists then. Um, it was like like a fundamental shift uh, for me personally, um, uh, and also in terms of why to make the show, how to make the show, what to show, how to frame Algerianness um, in a, in a show in New York. Um, it was sort of the culmination of lots of different kinds of organizing and um, and and artistic initiatives um, that ended up in public space and were engaged with publicness. Um, yeah, so that I, it's really difficult to separate the research process and the sort of slow meeting of people and construction of a scene through accidental, you know, conversations and studio visits and that period of intensity when everything. Uh, everything was coming together in terms of the exhibition. I was making the book during those six months. I was writing them in my room, which was overlooking the street. You could hear the helicopters and the and the tear gas going off. Um, but I was also like hyper aware of um, the urgency of uh, of of creating like some kind of space of visibility around this place that has um, such a unique, exceptional history in, in the history of decolonization, um, in the history of aesthetics and modernism. Um, it just, yeah, it just shifted everything. You just mentioned in the fact that you were showing this in New York. Did mm. you have to do quite a lot of groundwork 
to translate this context to a New York audience who potentially had very little understanding of Algeria and its very turbulent history? Yes. Um, I was, I had been living in New York and working as an independent curator since like roughly 2009, just when I started the program at Bard. Um, and I was super aware that, uh, the New York art world pivots on spectacularity and a kind of like, um, consumption of the image, um, and everything about the Algerian context resists that process. Um, which is linked to like a resistance to capitalism within Algerian society since independence, since liberation in 1962. And so like the problem of visibility is deeply structural between Algeria and New York. There are completely different values when it comes to representation, figuration, um, public, publicness, the value of publicness, um, but, but also like a really different attitude about the the monetization of identity, the um, the commodification of one's brand, um, these things are sort of perhaps critiqued, but also fairly accepted within the art world in New York and, and actively rejected in Algeria, which creates a problem when you're trying to make a show <laughs> that will be received well um, in, in a big space in New York. Um, and I think that... Um, I had a lot of difficulty working with the Wallach. Um, it was an incredibly hostile space in which to make this kind of show. And, um, and so I think that, um, I think that the show failed to entirely bridge that gap in part because of the breakdown in the relationships that I had with the Wallach. Um, and the sense that it, it, I did not have good faith collaborators in that endeavor. Um, and if I had, perhaps I, I would have been able to do a bit more of the translation work and find solutions um, that would have granted a more like balanced visibility. Um, as it stands, I feel like uh, the work of translation, um, it happened in the balance for me that the idea was to try to create a balance between artists working in the diaspora and artists working in Algeria as a way to mediate that translation. So that you had people that um, that had like galleries and large production infrastructures behind them to produce really finished, polished work. Um, people with long careers, like Chimantata, um, who's a painter who had a, a triptych in the entrance, this gorgeous giant triptych um, with raw pigment on linen. Um, I I was trying to create a show in which someone like Chimantata could appear. Um, and also somebody like um, Muna Benamani, who made a series of um, illustrations and animations, but is working out of her home on the outskirts of Algiers at that point um, with, with no infrastructure. Um, I wanted to do something in the choice of works that would allow both of those things to appear um, in a balanced way. Uh, and, and that was where I thought the translation would take place. And I... I'm not sure how successful it was. Um, I, it didn't get reviewed in New York, um, but I don't know whether it didn't get reviewed because the curatorial work was unsuccessful or um, because I had a hostile press officer. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an open question, um, which um, only New York can answer.
and with these sort of 25 artists and the diversity of practices that were represented having all those works in one space and with the catalogue which probably went some way to consolidating the show were there any unexpected themes that emerged I mean so the thing about this project is I I did it in New York in 2019 I remade it in Marseille um I made a different show with the same name in Marseille in 2021. And I will open a, an epilogue to that version in Grenoble in the Alps in France in April. And so it's hard for me to think about like the thematics in the New York version without considering the evolution of that thematic um, into its like, I don't know, aftermath. Um, but in comparison to the show in Marseille, for example, um, the show in New York was triumphant. It was um, what emerged from it was a was an energy and a dynamism um, that um, and a and a and a sense of like possibility in form um, that was quite different with the show in Marseille and will be very different in Grenoble um, because the moment has changed. So I I don't know that. I don't know that there were thematics between the works that were more than just um, interesting associations that developed, but as a show, I feel like the show in New York was, um, it was the most sort of like tightly controlled um, because it had to be planned so carefully in order to get works across the ocean. <laughs> um, but it was also like, it just, it just, was of its moment it was of 2019 it was of that like um i mean the the revolution in algeria the um the hirak um was the first moment since 1962 that that hundreds of thousands of people had claimed the street it's an incredibly important political juncture for a collective imagination of popular emancipation in algeria it cannot be overstated um, it isn't. It isn't simply that uh, that that people went into the street. It's that they they went for months and months and months peacefully. That there was active negotiation with the police. Um, that there was a sense of uh, of ownership by generations of Algerians simultaneously. Um, that that the country had not experienced since liberation. <laughs> Um, and you feel that in the show, you feel that sense of like something being found um, by people that belongs to them. Um, and I'm not sure how that got made. I don't know that it's, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to describe the construction of that sense, but I felt it. And I think my sense is that the people that were part of the show also felt it. Um, that's a conversation that I've had in retrospect with people, um, that it managed to communicate something about what it meant to be alive in 2019 during that like really particular moment of, of awakening. And the Grenoble show, when that opens in April, mm -hmm. and is that, how was it morphed? Can you sort of give a slight idea of the changes? 
Sure. I mean, um, the project in Marseille, the reason to make another one in France is that um, we made a project, I made a project with Triangle France, Asteride, um, in Afriche de la Belle de Mai in Marseille, um, that was meant to open with Manifesta in Marseille in June 2020. Um, obviously, nothing happened in June 2020. Um, when Manifesta went forward um, in the fall of 20, when was it? I don't remember when they actually opened, um, but it was a it was a mess. Um, and in and I did not want to make this show fast, like urgently under COVID restrictions. That's just not how the show works. So we we displaced it to open in February of 2021, um, and it it lasted three months, and it never opened to the public because excuse me, of COVID restrictions in place in France during that period. So um, so we built the show on two floors, 140 meters squared, and it and you could see it on appointment if you were press, or you could justify a professional relationship to the arts. But it was never publicly visible. Um, it closed the day before the restrictions lifted. And because we borrowed historical works from the National Collection, we couldn't extend it. Um, that show had... Uh, like a third of that show, it was 28 artists or 29, so it was on the same scale as New York, um, but it had work um, by, it had work from the French National Collection of Algerian artists from the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. It had like a whole historical range. Um, and there's a beautiful, there's a beautiful online version of that show that is still up that people can see um, if they go to the Triangle website. But um, it just, it was, it had none of that like celebratory, um, like urgency of the New York show, but it was gorgeous and subtle. It like played on questions of memory, um, collective trauma, uh, um, the possibility of, of romance um, and intimacy and connection um, despite hostile conditions in the environment. Um, we showed this gorgeous work by Kader Atia from right after he graduated from the Beaux-Arts in Paris, these like photo books of snapshots of daily life in the diaspora on the banlieue of Paris, um, very small format, like um, analog photography in these like binders that were thematically organized, um, things like that, 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 that showed sort of like an, like an undercurrent, an aesthetic undercurrent for the scene that we that we know today. Um, uh, yeah, and it was gorgeous and it breaks my heart that it never opened. Um, but uh, so Céline, the director of Triangle who moved to Le Magasin Grenoble asked me to think about an epilogue that would be um, a different scale, maybe 10 to 12 artists rather than a panorama, but that, that would um, give us a snapshot of the scene today and and offer the opportunity to make um, like an archival book of all three exhibitions to show the range. And the Grenoble show will be, um, if the New York show is about a kind of urgency and the Marseille show is about a kind of like mourning um, and, and um, historical nuance, um, the Grenoble show will, will try to reflect the feeling of being suspended um, aesthetically, politically, organizationally, that I think is true today, both in, in Algeria and also in the diaspora in various different places. And I think that that sense of suspension is something that 
is the result of the rise of the far right and an uncertainty about the role of culture and aesthetics in public life um, in France, in Sweden, in Germany, in the UK, in the States. Like it's it's something that I think is bigger than just Algeria, um, but is a kind of like, we built something and then the world disintegrated and now what are we going to do? Um, I think is the tone. Um, and it will have new artists. Um, the idea is to is to create as much visibility and create as much infrastructure as possible for as many people as possible. It'd be great to have an insight into your current work that I presume you're doing now whilst you're in Algeria um, on Algerian socialism in the 1970s. And you're planning an exhibition in Algiers later this year. Mm -hmm. So at this stage, I'm sure things are still progressing and developing, but what sort of form is that exhibition going to take? Um, that's a that's a long-term collaboration with an artist based in Tours, um, uh, who's, who's Algerian, um, Massanisa Salmani. And um, he made a project, an installation commissioned by Oakley and Wizor, um, for the Venice Biennial in 2015 around this urban planning initiative um, launched by the Algerian government in the 1970s called the Thousand Socialist Villages. Um, and it's a fascinating urban planning project that was essentially like, there was a colonial urban planning um, policy proposal, uh, the Constantine plan and the, um, the government, the Algerian government after liberation essentially lifted this idea out of that colonial plan um, and it was a plan to um, urbanize the, the rural classes um, and redistribute land um, around modernist villages. Um, so uh, to give land back to, um, to the rural classes, but also to, to house them in the structures of modernism uh, that would encourage them to change lifestyles um, and shift away from from ways of living and ways of being in relationship to the to the earth that, that have been in place for thousands of years um, uh, and make them better consumers. <laughs> and, um, and the plan was to build a thousand of these and, um, and it failed miserably um, for reasons that, that I think were clear even to people at the time that um, this idea of modernism was inappropriate um, as a model for the organization of the societies that it was addressed to. Um, and Massanisa was fascinated by the, by the failure of address and the failure of the urban planning project and its reappropriation by people over the course of the, of the, um, the preceding five decades. So he made an installation, a drawing installation um, as like a sort of first draft of his idea um, and fascination with the, with the way that this project has been partially integrated into collective memory and history in Algeria and partially forgotten. Um, I think that was what was really at stake for him. And I love that project. And so I proposed to him that we, that we structure like a long, thoughtful, slow two-year research project um, to come to Algeria together a couple of times and go to the villages and talk to people about socialism in Algeria during that period and make a show first in Algiers and then probably in Sweden in 2024 that will that 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 interrogates that um, 
that idealism, that symbolism of modern architecture and modern urban planning um, as a tool for social change, um, and, and also the way that it has um, lapsed in people's memory or become an association that is very far away from the actual project, the actual urban planning project. Um, and I wrote a text about his work um, that is forthcoming in the States somewhere, I'm not sure where exactly, um, but we have been just sort of going back and forth about this, this phenomenon as it intersects with socialism, as it intersects with um, the sort of special um, Islamic infused socialism of Algeria in the 1970s, as it intersects with the history of oil exploitation and, and oil revenue in Algeria during the same period. Um, and somehow all of that, like all of that cloud of conversation and footage and, and um, taped interviews and archival documents will come together somehow in a show um, in May um, in, um, at Rhizome Gallery in the center of Algiers. And that will be a first version of a show that, um, that I'm in conversation to, to travel to, to Sweden because they also, it's where I'm based, but it's also a place that has like a very similar history of socialism um, and um, linked to urban planning and thinking the space of the city as a, um, as a mold for um, socialist subjectivity. Um, so there's some really interesting formal parallels between the history of, of social democracy in Sweden and the history of, of special socialism in Algeria and historical relationships. There's like a, there's a diplomatic tie um, between Algeria and Sweden that actually dates to that period um, when Olaf Palm was in power in Sweden and there was a lot of exchange between them. I think Sweden was among one of the first countries to recognize the independence of Algeria after the war. Um, so there's there's something there that um, that would be explored in a second version. But that that research project is really, um, it's really, I mean, for me, it's a pretext to work with Masinisa, whose work I think is um, really important uh, because it straddles so much of the space between the diaspora and the scene here. Um, but I'm also really interested in, in that particular period of Algerian history, which is the period that runs underneath the films that I write about in the dissertation. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a unique historical manifestation of something that is deeply relevant today when we talk about what it would mean to um, think the politics of modernism away from a European Euro North American center um, and a really good companion to the similar kinds of conversations that are happening in Southeast Asia. Thank you to Natasha for her considerate answers. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can, please leave a review. In the show notes, you'll find a number of places where you can learn more about the artists in Natasha's show and some of the themes we discussed. Join me next time when we go to Japan and speak with leading curator Mami Katioka about how she helped set up Tokyo's Mori Art Museum. This has been Artworlds with me, Dr. Cleo Roberts-Comoredi. See you on the next journey. Thank you.